2: Yes, everybody. Welcome back to Full Time Devils. My name's Stephen House, and Today, joined by Carfik from Twitter, James, and also Jamie. Uh, what's happening, lads? You all right?
1: You're
3: good mate, all good. Lads. from Twitter. You already went there after what, ten seconds. Are you, are you bored of that now? Because like you, your university's calling you it, your mates are calling you it. It's became like your wait. UCF
1: are calling him it. They did it on, like, a, a, the other thing where they were posting people's pets. So I posted mine, and they just replied, oh, my God, it's a cartoon. And I'm just like, for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, uh, is everyone absolutely going stir-crazy with lockdown?
4: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely.
2: I did see something saying that football needs to start at the bottom up rather than top-down when it returns. I saw that uh, this morning, uh, which I totally agree with. There's um, the French League has now cancelled. Um, and they've also said that Paris, if you want to fuck about and try and play in the Champions League as well, you ain't doing that in France. Um, so I, I think Paris Saint-Germain are, are potentially looking at whether or not they can go and play matches on neutral ground or abroad somewhere, if they're able to compete it. Um, Hollanders obviously cancelled and null and their league. Only Germany and is it Austria potentially have said they're going to try and come back. But I did read yesterday that Poland have actually put a date on it of, I think May 29th and it'll be completed by uh, sometime in July, uh, 19th of July. I think I saw, do we think that the premier league are going to follow that suit or do we think the premier league are going to follow the lead of the likes of uh, France and uh, Holland?
4: I think they're too interested in the money. I think that's the thing that's the, like, playing on everyone's mind at the minute. Like this idea that we need to get the season finished. Like, I just think it's a bit, it's a bit daft in the current climate. Like surely everything's pointing towards just being sensible and just voiding the season off.
3: Well, it's like, the, so it's just the, it's, a, it's the testing thing as well that's annoying me. I mean, in Spain, you saw it with the Real Valladolid. Actually, the, the players refused to take tests because when you've got NHS frontline staff workers that aren't getting tests, but then you've got footballers that are given them. It's just something wrong about that, isn't it?
2: Yeah, it's not right at all. It's the slightest that any anything that's diverting from um, people being able to get tested and treated at the moment, it just isn't right. You know, if 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 a footballer goes down injured and ends up having like a serious injury, has to go to hospital, then that's taking away from people who've got this disease, or it's taking resource away from fighting this disease, and it literally could result in people dying. Um, I think this country's sort of not been overrun in the manner that we expected, and that's probably down to the lockdown that we've experienced for the last six and a half weeks, Uh, but that's not to say that as soon as anybody starts to uh, come out or as soon as they start to slacken that, that you're not going to see a big increase because you are, and I think that the fact that we've got all these nightingale hospitals which have have been built and people are are complaining that they're not being used at the moment like, no, good, because when (laughs) they get used, we're in the shit, so I think what we've done is we've created capacity, which was much needed uh, because I I almost feel like they're going to go, right, okay, industry needs to restart a little bit now and you need to start going, uh, getting out and making things happen. Uh, And once that happens, I I do expect there's probably going to be another surge uh, of cases.
3: Do you think the styles to the Premier League, because in France we're seeing with Canal+, Plus are saying to league 1, basically saying, if you don't fulfil your fixtures, then uh, we're just going to take the TV money off you. And you could have a situation here where we had with um, ITV Digital, where basically the clubs don't get the TV money and uh, we end up with sides going bankrupt.
2: I think we could. I think the um, I think one of the reasons the Premier League has, um, if you look at the minutes of every meeting, the null and unvoid of the season hasn't been on the table at all from the Premier League. Which is bollocks. Like at at some point, someone must have gone, hey, lads, everyone else is null and voiding this. Should we not be even considering it ourselves? The fact that they've just ignored that option tells me that because these meetings are minuted, someone's playing a legal game here. Uh, Because surely at the start, that first meeting, someone should have gone, can we null and void this? That should have been at least a question. But if they. end up going into litigation with sky over let's face it, it's like 800 million a season mm. it, across the, mm. the league yeah if they end up going into litigation with uh, the league and with sky they can say well at our first meeting we didn't even talk about it at our second third and fourth meetings we didn't even talk about null and avoiding it so they will be able to demonstrate that they did everything in their power to be able to resume football, and it was totally out of their hands. Uh, pay us our fucking money, you slugs. You the so, scousers
3: could sue Liverpool though. Sorry, could sue the Premier League if, if they don't if they don't win the league, do they just go? Anyone? All yeah, right, we're going to sue. Under what 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 pretence are you suing the Premier League? Well, you know, well, I think it's different for for Liverpool because they haven't actually won the league. But in Scotland, we're seeing it um, where they've just decided that teams are going up and down. Randomly, but you can probably see the situation. I think it's different because they haven't actually won the league. But if they if they were whatever twenty points clear and were going to win the title, then they might have a case on their hands. But I think you are probably going to see it if the league does get null and voided, like we've seen in their divisi and in, uh, in league or that. You know, you are probably going to get some sort of counter argument from Liverpool, whatever that is. I think the null and void in it is the most
2: litigation proof method of doing it. Because like yeah. I said, if you just go right, okay, Villa, you're relegated mm. Norwich, you're relegated. They'd have been like, well, we had a chance to you know that yeah. that's got enormous financial implications for those clubs. If you say Leeds, you're promoted X, you're promoted, whoever you're all promoted. Well, well, they're not promoted. They haven't achieved it. The, the season <laughs> runs for 38 games. It's not only an opportunity to, to, to gain points every time you step out onto the pitch, it's also an opportunity or, or a, there's a potential for you to lose points or be fined points or to play an ineligible player and be deducted points. So there's the reason that those 38 game windows exist and why football doesn't get called off at half time when teams are three and four nil ahead is because you have to see it out. You have to complete it. That's what sporting integrity is all about. What's the odds that Liverpool don't win the league now? Uh, ridiculous they are they're probably like a a thousand to one that they don't win the league but there will be a mathematical equation that says here's how they don't win the league and because of that because they haven't actually won the league you can't just award them the league and if you do they will never hear the end of it I may I make a vow on
4: that. <laughs> <laughs> my my other like my other issue with it being is that if we end up in a position where English football sort of rushes back to um to get back to playing games, even as behind closed doors or whatever, we're still in a position where people are like. Um, socialising and things like that. What happens if one of them co- contracts the coronavirus? And what happens if one of them dies? Does that go down as sort of corporate manslaughter? Is yeah, because it it's, it's, yeah, it
3: t- it's not just um, footballers as well. It's TV crews, it's journalists. Certain, yeah, it's, when they say behind closed doors, you're looking at more about three, 400 people in the stadium. It's insane, yeah, isn't
4: it? Yeah, if you think. And it's a, it's a lot of people to be mingling together at a time when we could still, like, you know, like we're saying, we could still be facing a second wave of, uh, of the virus.
2: We're probably gonna so, face a second wave of it naturally because it's supposedly it's it's a flu like thing anyway. So yeah. you you're gonna expect more of that come uh colder weather. So it 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 we're hitting like the best time of year now, like April into May, where it's lovely weather. Um so you're probably gonna see a bit of a natural drop off of it anyway. it, it was always gonna spike. And if that spike just happens to hit where let's say it's September and they go right, okay. We're down to less than a hundred deaths a day. Fucking, it's still a hundred. If there's anything killing a hundred, if there was a serial killer killing a hundred people a day, do you think everyone would be like, "Don't worry about it, just crack (laughs) on"? But I reckon that it'd probably be a threshold like that, like a hundred deaths or less after two weeks concurrent. Yeah, crack on, get out there again. But I reckon once you do, I think stadiums for concerts and for sport are the last thing that comes back. I don't know how you mitigate this with, like, let's say you're uh, a League Two or a Conference side, and you, you've got somewhere in the region of two, three, four thousand that are watching you. What's the cut off? Seventy-five thousand yeah. at Old Trafford's one thing, but where's the, where's it dangerous? And if you're saying it's got to be three, four hundred or less, who's deciding who the fuck they are?
3: You're gonna get a situation whereby, like, there's an extra person inside the stadium means the thing has to be placed behind closed doors. It's gonna be like, almost. Um, like you know you know, in um schools where you've got like kids that are eligible for free school meals and then you've got like the kid whose mum owns like an extra three quid and then can't get them. You're gonna get yeah. a sort of stupid situation like that. Just, People um, are finding
2: all sorts of crazy uh, like my nana was complaining, one of my cousins is a single parent, she had to take a, a daughter with her to um, to do some shopping a couple of weeks ago, this when the lockdown first started started. And the rules in the supermarket is no kids are allowed, which is just a good idea. You know, keep kids away because your kids like to fucking run off and do all sorts of stuff. She's like, Well, I'm a single parent. And my nana was complaining, like, they don't know what they're doing. I was like, Of course, they don't know what they're doing. Nobody knows what they're doing. Literally, this is unprecedented. It's never happened before. Like, I don't think they did it maliciously. And I'm sure there's hundreds of cases like that. What about like a single parent who's got like five or six kids? Someone will probably see them in Tesco or wherever. And they'd be like, Look at the state of this, all these kids. But you can't leave them at home. You can't leave them with family. What the fuck, Alan is supposed to do? It's
3: like you know when the the Daily Mail are having to go at everyone for going to work and not. So doesn't sit in that it's like if your boss is making you go to work and you've got like food to put on the table, what can you do about it? You're not going to like say no to him, are you? Because you'll lose your job. So yeah, you know. I,
2: I wonder if it'd be considered unfair dismissal if he was like, I, I can't, mm. I mean, mate. I, I don't, I don't know. There's probably going to be some tests of that, I imagine, coming soon.
4: <laughs> yeah, they they open up. I think they? um. Some section of the government turned around and said that if you feel like your employer is being unfair and forcing you to come to work at this time, you can report them to us anonymously, and we'll, inve- we'll investigate it. Because realistically, like ninety percent of the infrastructure across the country can be operated from home. Like if you think like all these businesses that are now discovering, hang on, we actually can operate quite successfully from home. You know, it's, it's a big bonus. But obviously, the big bosses that don't give a you know they don't give a fuck about it because <clears throat> they you know they're comfortable anyway. They can stay at home. Mm-hmm. But, um,
1: that's when they yeah. said the old idiots on the street don't you just recording people going oh you're not an essential yeah. worker what are you doing like, well, that, of, that,
4: that video that went around twitter a few weeks ago and it genuinely made me so angry with those lads sticking up the uh, the 5g yeah, masks yeah, yeah. and that woman went and videoed yeah. them and was saying these caused coronavirus and honestly man, nothing's infuriated me more i mean
2: okay um there's actually a really good um, <laughs> mini documentary on Netflix about the coronavirus, which is well worth checking out. I think it only came out a couple of days ago. It's not that pandemic one, which is like just a real generic virusy type yeah. thing. But there's one I think it's called coronavirus explained or what's happening with the coronavirus well worth checking out
3: You see that, um that bloke who changed his wi-fi router the name of it to like 5g coronavirus <laughs> got a lot of, got, yeah
2: covid 19 yeah. test was it or something like that we <laughs> got a lot of time for that level of trolling um has everyone been watching the michael jordan documentary
1: no one needs to start uh,
3: nope.
2: mate uh. Just fuck off now and go watch it. It's so good.
3: Right, i tell you, tell you that was something that I was good, that, that I watched yesterday, right? You know, um, Robinson, the fellow who um, played for Liverpool that uh, actually sadly recently died, when he was over in Spain, he actually did like a really good uh, documentary series. And uh, it's, they're all on uh, Vimeo with English subtitles. And he did a really good one about uh, Spain winning the World Cup in 2010. And it's a bit like ESPN 30 for 30. It's like the official World Cup films. It's like, it's really good.
2: All right, yeah, that might be worth checking out. Mm. Send so us a link for that, actually. If I put the link on Twitter, send it to me on Twitter, and I'll retweet right. it for everyone who wants to uh, to go check that out because that sounds like good. Uh, have you been watching much documentaries since you've been locked in?
3: Yeah, I've watched loads. I've, I've actually been reading more. Actually, I read um, I read a good book about um, you know, when Beckham went to the galaxy for a bit. Um, his like first season there, where uh, he basically had like a massive argument because he he was earning like something crazy, like five million a year, and there were other players in the team who were on like twelve grand, and. uh... It just everyone was getting really pissed off. Them, she was going to like England for like a pointless friendly, going to China to do like the Olympic opening ceremony and flying back to play a game the following day. And he was just like getting injured all the time, like not trying and everything. And then, um, he like went out on loan to Milan in like a strop. But then when he came back, there were all these banners like asking for him to leave and that sort of thing. Yeah, you don't really
2: hear much of that over. all right, I thought someone was gonna jump in. No man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think I think someone that's gonna be coming out the other end of this as a winner is Netflix. Uh mm-hmm. and any oh, other place that's been doing documentaries. I started watching the city one yesterday. Uh just to see. Um quite interesting. Uh, is, it, at points,
3: is, it, is it as like UAE propaganda as everyone says it is? No, but
2: it's um it's it's certainly quite favorable <laughs> to them. It's mm. not it's not um it's not full-on propaganda like you would expect. Like, imagine an MUTV TV documentary.
3: Like, yeah, I think that'd be worse. MUTVs TV do good documentaries like when the floodlights fade. That was interesting. Like, following Fabian Bart as a, a role. Oh yeah,
2: but they don't do anything like that on the current team, and if they do, it's all very, very positive. Isn't well, it? I,
3: I think there's just been loads of cuts at United, especially in that department as well, which is why we see now like the the content mainly was just rolls, rolls around like skyping That's people funny. they've got in their like phone book and calling Jason Manford to see how he is. You know.
1: <laughs> When's that coming
2: out? I think that's still. Wasn't it meant to finish with the end of this season?
1: I mean, what, like what's left? Yeah. <laughs> to just release it. I think oh. they probably want some sort of
2: conclusion of the lockdown, don't they? Or oh, Jose to get arrested for trying to train everyone in the park? Yeah,
1: yeah
2: what was all of
1: that? Why <laughs> you
3: typical I, I radio, no isn't though, though, it? That's things yeah. like exact thing that you'd expect him to do during this situation. Like I think people think he's past it, but he's still got that sort of shit in him. They do kind of miss that in our. Although oh, I prefer Solskjaer as a manager. The press conferences with Mourinho and Van Gaal were quite something to behold. Probably more yeah. entertaining. Yeah. Ollie's,
2: Ollie's been tried and trained by MUTV. Like I, I mm-hmm. can almost tell you what he's going to say for every question
3: that yes asked. But that's kind of good in a way, because then you don't you, you don't want him to become the whole thing then, because, you know, you look at Mourinho, I mean, that pre-season tour when we went to America it basically just oh, destroyed true. the confidence of all the yeah, players. Yeah. I mean, there's there's two ends
2: of a spectrum, and I don't think either are the right. I, yeah. I don't think Solskjaer being just constantly overly positive is right. I would, I would like him to call someone a cunt at some point, um, but I, which I know he does in training. I know he's ruthless in training, I know he's ruthless man-to-man, and, and I know that whatever he says he's saying to people isn't always the case. And I know that he's, he's, he's actually very, very hard on people um, it, it, at the club. But publicly, he's fucking boring almost. And maybe that's a great thing. Maybe maybe Fergie's told him, don't give him anything. Just mm-hmm. just talk bollocks. Doesn't matter. Just fulfill your contractual obligation to talk, to <clears throat> pricks. And then fuck off and go and tell the players what you're going to tell them in the first place. The, the problem is... You get scenarios like uh, last week where Solskjaer came out and was like, we're going to exploit the transfer market. We've got loads of cash. Someone in the finance department of United was like, fucking hell. Like, <laughs> how are we supposed to negotiate when you told everyone we're, we're loaded? Get Woodward out. And then they get Woodward out and he's like, oh, yeah, no one's got any money. And then people lose their mind at both things. Yeah. The truth's probably in the middle somewhere. Like, yeah, the, maybe the coronavirus stuff doesn't affect us as a club financially as much as others, but we also don't want to get rinsed.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I think in terms of him being too positive, I think I think everyone looks at him and goes, I mean, the way, he, I mean, obviously, the whole baby-faced assassin thing, everyone looks at him and thinks, oh, he's just a nice guy. He doesn't have a rough side to him, but we don't know that. No one's in training with him. Watch his, watch his tackle on Rob
3: Lee and tell me that he's not uh, a rough guy. Someone said that baby
2: assassin assassin nickname wasn't because of how good he was as a striker. It was because of how f- much of a fucking ruthless cunt he is.
3: I, it thought it he, I thought it was. I thought looked was like a child in his face. He, <laughs> he does. He does I people. mean, he did look
2: young into his thirties. Yeah. But like, yeah, yeah I've, apparently it's because of how ruthless he is when it comes to, um, you know, dealing with people. And you know, uh, we all saw bits of him training at Mulder, uh, oh, yeah. at people like that. That that was good. Um, you know, and obviously it never worked out for him at Cardiff. But I think tangibly, if you look at actions speak way louder than words for me. You know, he might have been saying in the press conferences, oh, I I offered Ashley Young the the chance to stay. He's out the door. Fellaini, what a great player. He was out the fucking door. Sanchez, oh, Sanchez could come here and really shock people. He's got to say that. He's trying to fucking keep the resale value of him. (laughs) If he goes, I tell you what, he won't even get any under 23s. (laughs) <laughs> Who's going to buy him? And then you well, lumbered with. I think people K-weeks. are really,
3: really unfair at Solskjaer at his time at Cardiff because people forget it's like, oh yeah, he relegated Cardiff. No, he relegated a side that was under that had an owner that was absolutely mental. Changed the <laughs> changed the colour of the kit, changed yeah. the badge, sacked a manager because he didn't <laughs> like him. And yeah, then Solskjaer he, was he did get more to points per game season. than Malky Mackay did as well like, in that season. I think it's really unfair how people sort of bracket him as this sort of. Like the, the only thing he's won is a Norwegian league. Well, so what? I mean, Guardiola just managed Barca B before he became the manager of the Barcelona team. You look at Zidane, he only managed Real Madrid's B team before he became their manager. You don't need experience at a top level to become a, a good manager.
2: No, I, I also think that the the way that Oscar gets treated over the fact that he manages the Norwegian league, it's still fundamentally what's managing. Is managing the personalities, the expectations of the players, the fans, the board, uh, and all that sort of stuff. Fergie said to him, didn't he? I think oh, it's been one of Fergie's books. It was a real mistake for Solskjaer to go there. Um, but, you know, it, there he went, and hopefully he learn from it.
3: He did, he did a really good job at the uh, the reserves as well, actually, in those those two seasons where it was him and yeah. was Warren Joyce, I think, that was the... Uh, and Brenny yeah, yeah.
2: Mullenstein, I yeah. think, had something to do with that.
3: I mean, it was a good, a good crop of players that he brought through there. I mean, that was... <clears throat> What you had Welbeck, um Possibon. Well, no, but people people say that about Pogba, like laugh at him. But he was actually really good when he first came from Brazil. It was that uh the Manchester Senior Cup final that he played brilliantly in, got two assists, and then he just had a really bad injury against Middlesbrough. And it just knocked his confidence
4: completely. He played
2: very well in that game against Middlesbrough before Pogatex yeah. fucking ended him. Yeah, he was he was looking bright. He was like um, it's like fresh no, I'd say more like a like a Fabregas, probably.
3: It's uh, more like Brian Robson, I'd say. He had that sort of vibe. <laughs> he wasn't obviously as good as Brian. Yeah, no, I missed. But <laughs> played in a similar style. He wasn't a typical Brazilian number ten, but at the same time, he wasn't like an anchor man. He played sort of as a six.
2: Yeah, I think it reminded me a lot of Fabregas in mm. terms of like you know he'd play it nice and neat and keep it on the floor. He was deeper. Um, then you know, then obviously he wasn't at number ten. Yeah, he was deeper than that. But it was a good. He looked like a tidy player. Mm. You know, we have, we have quite a few of them tidy players that come through. But and obviously, he just didn't. He didn't ever fucking recover from um, what happened. I think he went and played in Bahrain.
3: No, played it. So he went back to Santos in Brazil. Won uh, Libertadores there, but he was never really in the squad. And then he just he went to Italy. Barely got a game, and then he ended up in Vietnam. For I'm Hokey just amazed Michigan. by how
1: you know this yeah, I'm, I'm, sure design, in, I'm sure he ended up in I'm sure he ended up in Bahrain United's biography
3: uh, I actually did write 2,500 words on him which is why I know so much if you do, I'm going to plug this here uh, if you do want to read my article on Rodrigo Possebon for the uh, Football Chronicle then uh, Fair it's, enough. <laughs> it. Um, I'm I'm positive he
2: ended up in Bahrain because uh, I'm sure I got told about it when I went over there Wow.
3: Well. Anyway, do you know about um you Keep know Dong Fang Tzu. he's another one, right? Went back to China, ended on uh, some reality T V programme. Now he's like got a different name apparently and, like um he's, like he's had a plastic um plastic surgery done on his face. Well yeah, hang I got on, he yeah, played for al yeah. Far
2: in Bahrain. Uh,
3: right. Some transfer marks.
1: Sorry, oh, he's had plastic surgery though Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why?
3: Dong Zou's had plastic surgery apparently. He's also had a,
1: a guard of honour from John Terry oh uh, yeah. yeah I got I got an unfollow because I made a joke about that I said imagine being John Terry and uh, having to make it, have a former guard of honour for Dong Zhu." and someone went oh that's disrespectful unfollowed I went alright <laughs> 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 do you think United could do
3: with having like another feeder team in the same way that we did with Antwerp because Zhu went there I think and scored like 20 goals in their season but I think the reason that ended was there was like some fight on the pitch and it ended up in like a legal dispute is that not it?
2: No, the the um the that was Danny Eganbottom and Ronnie Wall Yeah. He he came on my podcast and explained what happened in that. Um and it sounds like there was a little bit of jealousy at Antwerp getting United players on loan. Uh, and a referee lied in his match report. Um they both got told they were signed die, which means you'll never play football again, uh, for anyone. Um he said, and they, they both immediately got sent home from Antwerp. So, what happened was, uh, I think Walwick got sent off or something and and was arguing with the referee and he said he was arguing with him, he said but he didn't put his hands on him. Um, he said, and it was getting pretty fucking heated. And um, Danny come in, like just separated him and dragged Danny Walwick away. He said, and then when they got the referee's report, they'd hit him, they'd fucking thrown a chair at him, they'd done all sorts of stuff to him, spat at him and and all this sort of shit. Um, and he was like, it just wasn't true. Um, and he said they got to, they, they got thrown out of Belgium, got told they'll never they'll never play pro football in Belgium. The registrations was cancelled. They got sent home. I think there was like 18 and 19 at the time, something like that. He goes, so we're like, you know, just get back to, I think it was the cliff at the time. I think it was pre-Carrington days. I think it was like 1999. So it was just before Carrington. And he goes, um, you get back to the cliff and they're like, go and wait in Fergie's office. And you're like, mate, we are going to get bollocked here, aren't we? Like, can you imagine the bollocking? You know, you're thinking you've dragged United's name through the mud. You've been banned for life. What am I going to do for a career? What am I going to do for a job? United are definitely going to fucking sack me. He goes, and we walked in and Fergie went, right, lads, two new contracts there for you. <laughs> and they were like, What? <laughs> <laughs> and he said they'd spoke to some other people at the club who backed up their side of the story. And he went, "Don't know what the football referee's problem is." There's two contracts. Phone your parents, let them know because they're probably worried. Um, and he was like, "Honestly, he goes like Danny goes, you just fucking blew me mind." He goes, Do "You expect one thing." He goes, "Because Fergie could be hard." And he goes, yeah. "You just get the complete opposite." Um, so that was, uh, I'm sure it's like 2099, 2001, somewhere around that sort of time. The relationship didn't end until two thousand and five. Can you tell me what happened in two thousand and five?
3: What we signed, quite average players. What else
2: happened in two thousand
3: and five? The what? Oh, Oh, Glazers, yeah. Yeah.
2: Glazers closed the link. All right. We had links with them and a couple of other clubs because it was costing us money. Because we was we was helping out with training costs
3: and. uh, Connor's key one, I think, in Wales. Might I think be. they had
2: about five or six. Uh, what's um, Swedish team beginning with a Z?
3: Zalingborgs. No. no, that's not a team. You just,
1: you just yeah. guess.
3: <laughs> <laughs> can't remember. It, is. it
2: might not be a Swedish team, but there was there was a Scandinavian team. There was Antwerp. Um, I'm sure there was someone in Spain.
3: It's like um, Chelsea have got Vitesse, haven't they? They loan about 36 players out each season yeah. to. Uh, I think it'd be good. I,
2: you know, I'm not sure, you know, entirely fucking up a league like they do with Vitesse is a good idea. Um, but I, I think it'd be good if we had a, a team in the, you know, that's that's decent that we could actually do something with.
3: Did you've be... got quite quite controversial opinions on B teams, haven't you? Because I remember like you were saying that you wanted like you you'd be up for United having a B team in like the English pyramid.
2: Yeah, I, I don't think it's controversial opinion. Everyone else can if they want I don't think it's a controversial opinion Because I don't think United can be classified As the same as Chelsea For instance um, Or City for definite Like I know for a fact That if Manchester United were Playing competitive football Regularly in League 1 or League 2 United would probably produce 10,000 fans a week watching them Especially if we had a situation Where we had a little stadium the same as City do on the site of Old Trafford. Mm, we would be happen. a very, very, very well-followed B team if they were playing competitive football on a regular basis. You already see this with the FA Youth Cup. You, you already see this with some of the games uh, in the latter stages of that, that we produce way more people come and watch that youth team than um, than any other club. And we've obviously got the history to back that up as well. Can you just say, yeah, everyone go and get in the mix? No, because I think it would probably... Um, I think it would probably ruin the integrity of some competitions. What have you just said? If your club has had an academy graduate in the first team for 80 years, then you can have a B team. But would that be a fair
3: yeah, well, it depends, it's fair, it depends on how you do it. I mean, if you do, you just, like, do what you do on the, the editor on Football Manager when you want to put a new team and literally just take someone out. <laughs> just remove go, someone. Yeah, we're now playing in League Two. It depends, I mean, if you start out like everyone else does, I think it'd be a bit, as you get a sort of MK Don situation on your hands there where you're taking the place of, like, another team, it, it, there's, there's a part of me that thinks it's a bit greedy, really, that, you know, I don't really need to have two teams and they already make quite a bit of income from the first team. I don't understand the arguments
2: against it. I'm going to be honest. Some of the arguments are it's hoarding players. Well, I disagree. How's it disagree? hoarding players? They have a, they're saying that if, if all the Premier League clubs, this is one of the arguments of like league one and league two clubs, that if those players weren't hoarded by Premier League clubs, then they would be on the market for those clubs to pick up as free transfers. I, I, I don't think that's the case, to be honest. I don't, I don't think that's really the case. Um, They also complain about the the amount of foreign children that are brought in at 15 and 16. Well, surely if those foreign children are brought in and everyone only has a squad of 25 in the Premier League under 18 level, that's making players available for you guys to pick up and develop yourselves. So I don't buy that argument. I can buy the argument that they wouldn't be well supported in some instances. I don't think that would be the case for United. No. And and I can buy the, the argument of that it potentially devalues the league i could also on the flip side of that say that i think it brings more eyeballs to the league imagine mason greenwood have been playing league one last year how many highlights and, and matches and stuff like that would you have seen of mason greenwood um against different clubs and i actually think it brings a lot of attention down to those leagues because they're good leagues I, I i don't do this as a as a Premier League only mindset I think this is Is good for the whole game I'm happy to be wrong on this And obviously there's a lot more people With experience of the lower divisions Than I have But I think this would be something That was positive for the game Um, I don't think One size fits all I don't think Crystal Palace B team Is anywhere near as attractive As United's B teams. Uh, But I do think there's something In You know Another club Maybe that's the long term plan Of Salford somehow Well
3: if you I think the, the reserves thing is interesting that they should probably sort out as well before that because if you look at before, I mean, reserves football had a mixture of first-team players and under-23s team and it's a lot more competitive than, I mean, now on under the under-23s league really doesn't, it's not, does not, serve do it's purpose. That's, that's I mean, right, yeah, it's terrible.
1: No one can. Mean,
3: it's it doesn't really, uh, players going out on loan is a lot more for their experience than playing in a division where they're not physically challenged enough and it's, it's yeah, shit, bottom line. But the loan system also doesn't work.
2: Um, the, the loan system's of no use because if I loan... I mean, look at Buffett Jackson. He's had one successful loan in about four or five times that he's been out on loan. It, if you can keep them as a reserve team, they can play and learn the philosophy of your club uh, and you can manage their day-to-day development. If you have a player that goes on loan to, say, Exeter... Well, he's not coming back to Manchester to join him with first-team training so you can keep an eye on a kid. You, you're hoping he goes to Exeter and develops, and you're hoping that the manager that's there at the start of the season will be there at the end of the season. And guess what? He won't be. No. And then you've got to deal with, this is some kid that this new guy is now under pressure because he's took over a team in trouble. He's, I've just got to play a game. I'm not fucking developing this kid. Fuck that noise. It's a broken system. And I'm not saying that just give United a B team in League One would fix it. I don't think it would. I think you're probably right. I think there probably needs to be some sort of uh, reward of that. Maybe United reserves going in like the Northern Prem. But it, I would imagine they absolutely wipe the floor with people at Northern Prem level. Could they compete at conference level? Again, conference level, is that taking away... Opportunities for teams to to win the conference and to get into the playoffs of the conference to enter professional league football. Where do you limit them?
3: Do you did you read the thing real... in the Athletic about um, like United the United uh, youth players that were coming through and they're basically reaching a certain age and uh, they just got released and had to find like normal jobs and saying they've just got really bad like PTSD and that and saying going out alone doesn't work. So Their technical ability they've got is far mm-hmm. greater. And so they're just never gonna be able to fit into the team. Yeah,
2: it's uh, th- you know there's there's loads of arguments for and against the B team. Do you know I think it was Real Madrid played their B team in a final of the Copa del Rey once? Well
3: Castilla, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I remember that. I remember you
1: remember
3: it?
2: it?
1: No, I mean I remember
3: seeing
2: it. it.
1: It was like 1980. I remember seeing it. Oh, no, I, do, I do remember that, yeah. I
3: think I was there. <laughs> um If you look at every league in Europe, I mean they've all got it do and if you look at the structure, they've all pretty much got B teams. I mean, if you look at Spain I mean, their segunda division and their segunda B is, uh, you know, you've got quite a few. You've got um, Barca B, you've got Real Madrid's Castilla side. In the Netherlands, you've got, you know, Young Ajax. If you look at... I mean, even in the States, I mean, they don't actually have promotion and relegation there. It's a bit different, but they've still got two two teams or whatever or whatever they're called, and B teams playing in their structure somehow. So it depends what your focus is on developing home players or whether you want to have a more fluid system.
2: But the, the well, Spanish... Um... Divisional system Is just Nothing like The English Football no, League system no, I think it goes yeah, this, down this say. Five or six levels The English Football Pyramid Can go down 22 fucking levels yeah. And you know, at, at each level It multiplies Because they're usually Only feeder leagues Into the, the ones above them At like At like level 19 Or 18 Or something like that it's like fucking 70 different le- Regional divisions You're like Why have they got A regional division there's, like, no fucker there. And they're like, yeah, we've got 22 fucking local parish teams. And you're like, that's mental. It's insane. Yeah, hang on, Joe. You know I'm going to pull it up, actually. Whoa, nearly not a drink over there. Um,
3: Have you ever done that on a football manager before, where you make, like, a database with every single league in, in England? and then try Doing and it with paddock at the minute? Yeah.
2: We're in the Manchester League. Uh, right, let's go all the way down to what's on Wikipedia. Uh, it goes down to level 20. You've got the Bristol and Avon League, the Central and South Norfolk Division Four, the Devon and Exeter Football League Division fucking eight. Um, the Stroud I don't even know where Stroud is, right? The Stroud and District League Division seven. Division Seven. Where's Stroud? <laughs> don't know that it's got enough to have seven fucking divisions of football teams. The, the football pyramid in England is so fucking vast. Like you can't compare it to Spain, where yeah. maybe a beat team fits in, like, yes, all right, you've got Barcelona, Atletico and Real Madrid at the top of that that are elite like top fifteen top ten world teams. the middle and the bottom half of the Spanish divisions, a bit fucking championship ish level, and then the segunda divisions.
3: Well, no. there's still some really good teams, though, in the Segunda. I mean, if you look at the, the calibre of teams in there, you've got Deportivo La Coruña, you've got Zaragoza, Malaga. You've got some pretty big teams down there at the minute. It's it's not... a. I think after you get down to the likes of Segunda B and then you go down to Tresera, you get a bit more, maybe, of what you were saying. But I think Segunda's probably one of the strongest sort of second-tier leagues in, in Europe.
4: I think, I think, obviously, one of the problems is as well, is that, like you are in there, that... With how stocked like the English football pyramid is, and there's a lot of pride in people that support like non-league teams. There's mm. a lot of pride in people that support long, uh, like League Two teams, and there's a lot of disparity between the support of the Premier League and the you know even the Championship. If you end up with teams like United creating a B team and having it just plopped into, even if we look at like the you know the sixth tier of English football, it's a bit like the rich kid having his family pay you know pay the way into like the upper echelons of society and stuff, and it creates more of this discourse and this disparity between them. So I think it's a good idea. Like, I agree with it. Like, I think having a B team would be good. But again, it's how the situation's managed. And I'd, to be fair, I'd like to see him drop, dropped into the 23rd tier of English football and see him playing against, you know, 45-year-old plumbers. <laughs> that, I don't, I
2: think yeah. that, you know, as, as funny as it is, I don't think it'd be competitive. Uh, and I nah. think it'd be an absolute waste of generations of, of United <laughs> yeah, Reserve of players. Because they'd would. turn up like, what, what, what are we doing? Like, you know, they're, they're pretty well rewarded pretty well paid quite a few of them um not all of them but quite a few of them are, you know, are heftily paid it and to to compare what level they'd be to even to even northern premier like i don't know where an under 23s team actually lies what the the true level of the average under 23 team would be is it conference pretty fucking good conference
3: teams yeah. You know, well, with
2: some experience, you know, championship
3: yeah, but players. it depends. I mean, if you, if you put them in a Northern Premier side and they get the shit kicked out of them on a muddy pitch in, I don't know, Droyal's done or wherever, it's, it's not the same, is it? So they probably won't play as well, but it's a lot more physical down at that level. I mean, they've probably got more technical ability, but they're probably suited to playing under-23s football more just because it's just a bit less intense and that's probably how you can feed them into the first team. Well, that, that's,
2: that's the issue, is yeah. that under-23s football is not intense. It's very vanilla, I think is the, the word you would use, or beige. Like, a lot of these kids have been in academies since they was eight years old, and it's the same age. It's the same, like, you might be lining up against another kid, and today he's wearing a city kit, but two years ago he was wearing an Everton kit. It's the same kids playing against the same kids on the same pitches. There's no step in development, there's no testing of them. That's why the A-Leagues when they would play against the likes of Marine and Camel Laird and people like that, they'd get a fucking shit kicked out of them at the right time you know, they they might go and have Gary Neville and David Beckham playing there at 17 years of age but but maybe Mal Donaghy, Clayton Blackmore and Brian Robson was also in the fucking team as well and this is international players coming back from injuries that are helping (laughs) guide these lads through, so there has to be a balance. There needs to be a redress. Under-23s was stupid anyway. That was Scudamore brought that in a few years ago because he said the average age of people making their Premier League debut is 23. So for that reason, we need to up the reserve leagues. If you're 23 at United and you've come all the way through the youth system and you haven't fucking played a single fucking first-team game, guess what, son? It ain't happening for you. At 23, go How, old, how, how, old,
3: how old was Lingard when he made his debut?
2: Lingard was younger than that, but he'd also played league football, mm. like he won, oh, like yeah, as yeah. a fresh debut at 23. It's mm. fucking yeah. stupid. You know, at 23. I mean, like you know, Mason Green was 17, Angel Gomez was 16. <laughs> He's got seven and eight years' experience on a 23-year-old. You know, at 23, uh, Nicky Butt, David Beckham, Gary Neville—all them guys were were on the cusp of going, winning the treble. You no, know, these were at the top of their game, pretty much. You. you, you you're 98% of your peak at 24 years of age. 98% of your highest resale value at that age. What the fuck are you doing playing under 23 football at that age? I don't know about other clubs. I can't comment. But if you're 23 at United, you'd be like, anytime soon, going to get the fucking <laughs> knob?
3: You're, <laughs> not. Well, you're well, not, mate. You're not. Will, Will Keane's a, a good example of that, isn't he? I mean, he sort of played around the reserves a bit, made his debut against, Was I can't remember, was it Derby in the FA Cup, got injured, and then that was him, gone. Will
2: Keane was one of the most natural. Like him, James Wilson, just purely in, mm. inexplicable what happened to them lads, yes. um, and that, that's why you you have to test them in a first team environment to find out whether they can sink or swim. Because if you're testing them out in under twenty three football where they look amazing. You never know whether they can make the jump. Marcus made the jump better than anyone I've I've seen in a long time. Mason Greenwood's right up there behind him in terms of like, Mason's got one of the most managed transitions from academy to first team we have ever seen. They're drip feeding him in. It's almost perfect. No, he's not looking burnt out. You're not questioning him when he comes. He scored 12 fucking goals. If we had to at the start of the season, Marcus has never scored that, I don't think, has he? Prior to this season.
3: No, no. I think tempered no. might have been his most yeah.
2: If you're sitting here going, hey, tell you what, Mason Greenwood this season is going to get 12 goals, you'd have been like, put the glue down. That's not happening. But there we go 12 goals, and he's got potentially 18 games of the season left. He's not going to play all of those. But would you bet against him getting over 15?
3: No.
2: I wouldn't bet against him getting over 15 goals, which is fucking ridiculous because you barely notice him in the squad. He's been so well managed. Um, I think we should leave it there while, oh. we're, on a, while we're on a relative football-related topic. <laughs> anything anyone else has got before we do go? Not, not
3: really.
2: Any anything. documentaries, <laughs> anything you're reading, anything that you want to get off the chest?
3: Uh, I'm actually, right, just saying, uh, I'm reading another good book at the minute, actually. I finished it now. It's about the uh, called Rock and Roll Soccer, all about the, the North American Soccer League in the uh, 70s. And basically, they put all these like, new rule changes in but uh, it was just, like, mental... uh, Like, the Cosmos, for example, they're owned by, like, Warner and uh, the big, like, music company, and they had, like, uh, cheerleaders, like, sat on the subs bench and that sort of thing, and there were (laughs) all these, like, massive orgies going on in hotels and that sort of thing, and, like, there was, like... um, Mick Jagger was involved in one of the sides. There was, like, all this, like, mad shit going on, and it only lasted for, like, eight years, and then the league went bankrupt because no one could afford to keep spending all this money. They took
2: over some right stars as well, didn't they? Yeah, Uh, yeah. George Best was one. Uh Beckett Dennis Bauer. Violet was over there for a while. Yeah. Um uh, well, Pele's uh, the obvious one. Yeah, Pele was out there. I'm trying to think there was like Bobby Moore went out
3: there, I think. Yeah, for a bit. You had Alan Ball as well. He he just won a World Cup. You had uh Canaglia who'd been playing for Juventus. You had a lot of big names playing out there. And uh yeah, I mean for a few years, I mean they did they did a few interesting things like they had the uh the American style shootouts, which were like from the thirty-five yard line, and they are uh, putting like a thirty. They put in like a, an offside line that was like thirty-five yards. They got rid of back passes. They put like uh, names on the back of the shirts did that sort of thing. But uh, they had loads of like uh, beef, FIFA, and uh, it was actually FIFA that kind of ended it because they gave the World Cup to uh, Mexico, and uh, <laughs> instead of the US. And then they just couldn't keep on funding it after that, and everyone just walked off. So
2: when it came back in the, I think late night is when it came back night, again. Was it? Um, it didn't feel like it was big. And we, we touched on it before, didn't we, with Beckham going over there. But I think oh. Beckham going over there was one of the massive legitimising points of the MLS in this second sort mm. of era. And since then, it does actually seem to have gone quite serious. Now there's prop, what I would call proper fan groups and proper clubs mm. out there, that, even though they're new. Like LAFC. Yeah. Um obviously set up in opposition <laughs> to LA Galaxy. Um, but they seem like they've got a bit of a rebel nature about them. And, you know, they've got safe standing. They've got, I can't remember the name of the section that they've got. Um, is it some of the Bank Vault or something like that? Because I think the stadium's called the Bank something bank or other it? Bank
3: California Stadium, yeah. yeah.
2: so they've got, I think, the Bank Vault or something like that is the name of where their ultra section is. Um, and they, they seem to have it, like, proper style. So I, I think it's here to stay in America. Well, it's, right?
3: it's the opposite of the NAS style. I mean... The NESL, which was the old league, achieved what the MLS has done in what six years in terms of attendance figures, in terms of big TV deal, but it wasn't sustainable, which is why we're never going to see the Cosmos back in the MLS because it's the complete opposite of what the MLS stands for with its single entity structure and the way you can, you uh, get a franchise in. But also that has its negatives because it's been almost too nice. I mean, it, they call it sort of uh, soccer socialism where you've got a salary cap and you've got a sort yeah. of draft and everything, but then actually anti-American as yeah, basically. <laughs> it just reduces the quality of football then because everyone's sort of average then. So you don't get a a one team that breaks away that everyone hates, that everyone supports, but then it's a a difficult balancing act.
2: Yeah, I think it's going to be really interesting. I would love to see them open it up and and, and do a more European-style promotion relegation-tiered thing because I think they could do it. Yeah, but I don't think teams, the college system's perfect over there. If
3: the teams below them aren't good enough to play in the MLS, they'll, they'll just end up getting relegated back down again. That's the problem. And you've also got another whole thing with investors pulling out if that happens, and it's it's way more complicated than it just opening up a relegation thing then because the whole league gets affected then.
2: Hmm. I, I think uh, that would be a development I'd like to hmm. see, though, um, because obviously then you can expand it even more. I mean, some of them states are the size of
3: England, aren't they? Yeah, well... It's, one it's, team. Them, it's them in the A League in Australia that are the only leagues in the world without promotional relegation.
2: Yeah. Yeah. I think I think there'll be that many teams wanting to take part soon. Uh it'll probably end up happening in ten years or so when they're just like, look, there's too many teams. Is MLS two.
3: There's already what, twenty six teams, I think, in there at the minute, with uh into Miami joining in um I think it was Cincinnati last season.
2: They're split into opposite conferences, think, aren't they? Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. still only like whatever in a league. Yeah. yeah. All right, right then. Uh, cheers for tuning in everyone make sure to subscribe stay safe during lockdowns make sure you're washing your fucking hands and and stay inside you dicks don't be going out otherwise look here's the thing right if you go out you're not clever you just mean everyone else stays in lockdown longer you tosser. so stay inside wash your hands uh, stay safe I'll see you in the next one latest Sports Social Podcast Network Step into the world of power, loyalty